Jesus says in our gospel reading, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Be like people waiting for their master to come home from a wedding celebration. I pray the Lord be with you. Father, open our eyes and ears to your kingdom. Make our hearts receptive to receive. Overcome every obstacle and hindrance that sets itself up against your kingdom in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Friends, in 2017, Money Magazine put out its top 50 places to live in the United States. And number 16 in the country was Carmel, Indiana. Congrats. Um, Fishers checked in at number one. Yeah. (laughs) Exasperation. Uh, In 2018, Carmel was up to number three. Avon was at number 16. Many of us come from these areas. Some of us come from Carmel. I I live in Fishers. Uh, People... They didn't make it, Bruce. 2019 will be out soon, so. People move to uh, where I live, where some of us live, uh, for the schools and for safety and for arts and for nature and the economy and real estate and families. In fact, within 20 miles of this place are some of the safest, most desired places to live in the world, in the world. So congratulations. We live in the best America has to offer. So uh, there's that, right? And then there's also the reality we're living in today where less than seven days ago there were at least two mass shootings in our country, right? That came less than a week after Three people were killed and 13 were injured at another mass shooting at a food festival. The first happened in El Paso, Texas. A man drove hundreds of miles from his home to a Walmart, killing at least 20 people, wounding 26. And he told police he wanted to shoot as many Mexicans as possible. Apparently he did. Another young white man Uh, less than 12 hours later, opened fire near a nightclub in Dayton, Ohio, killing at least nine people and injuring 27. Unlike the El Paso subject, he did not post a manifesto, wasn't taken alive, so uh, there's no explicit racial or political motivation, but um, he described himself on social media as a leftist and an anti-Trumper, just to perhaps punctuate once again that no political party or religious group has cornered the market on the violence and anger and anxiety that we have in our country. 20 mass killings in the U.S. in 2019 that preceded last weekend claimed 96 lives. The two last weekend claimed 29. Our world is convulsing with violence. It's seething with fear and anxiety. And sometimes it's hard to notice because Money Magazine thinks we got it pretty good around here. Today our gospel reading speaks 
to this world of fear and violence, of scapegoating and worry, of greed and consumption. Mass shootings in, in Money Magazine can make us feel as though the Bible, uh, the scriptures never have anything to say to us. It can feel, make it feel distant. And yet, I want to suggest today the same relational and spiritual dynamics at work in Fishers and Carmel, in El Paso and Dayton, are at work in Luke 12 as well. Today, into our world, convulsing with angry violence and seething with anxious hate. We declare the good news. Don't be afraid. God is pleased to give you everything you're angry about that you've lost. God is pleased to give you everything you're anxious about that you don't think you'll ever get. Wake up. Christ is among us to bless and serve, to give his kingdom as a gift. Luke 12, 32 through 40, Jesus is teaching his disciples who he tells to wake up and accept this kingdom gift. But there are two other audiences that are listening that if we don't take into account the scene, if we don't actually have the scene in mind and what's going on, we miss why, why Jesus is teaching what he's teaching and, and why it's so significant. He's telling his disciples, wake up, don't be afraid. But there are anxious and angry people all around. The first group are the lawyers and the Pharisees, the legal experts and the Pharisees. And these people are angry. They're angry. At the end of chapter 11, Jesus has just denounced them, explicitly called them out publicly. And so we're told at the end of chapter 11 that they were, uh, what's the language Luke uses? It's like, they began to resent him deeply. And they were lying in wait to try to catch him in his words. So they're listening to accuse, to trap him in his words out of resentment. Uh, this, is, this is why the religious leaders resented him. Not only did he call them out publicly, but chapter 12, verse 1 says, when a crowd of thousands upon thousands had gathered so that they were crushing each other, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Jesus had what the religious leaders used to have. Jesus had the honor, esteem, and affection of the masses. Jesus had three things that were working for him that put him in the crosshairs of these legal experts and Pharisees. First, the people were giving their honor and esteem to Jesus. This was a zero-sum game. So in our church, Ben and I will preach about half the time. And uh, I don't have to preach uh, worse in order to not dishonor Ben. Ben doesn't have to preach worse in order not to dishonor me. I don't have to be uh, worried that if I preach too good of a sermon, uh, Ben will be shamed. There's enough honor to go around. That's not how it worked in Jesus' day. Thousands upon thousands crushing each other to gather around Jesus and that cranked them up. Second, Jesus condemned them explicitly. He actively shamed them. And third, every time they asked Jesus a question to tap, trap and test him, they would lose more honor because Jesus would uh, 
basically play their game better than they did. Jesus had what used to be theirs, and they wanted it back. To say it another way, they were a privileged people used to being on the top of the social hierarchy, and Jesus displaced them. They were, for the first time, disenfranchised and marginalized in their country, and they were angry. Jesus, this guy from a questionable area of Israel, Galilee, who was rumored to be secretly mixed race, there was a rumor going around, Josephus tells us, that Mary uh, was raped by a Roman soldier, and that's where Jesus came from. Galilee itself was known by the powerful to be a Torah-breaking place, a place of Torah-breaking infestation, if you will. Really bad hombres came from Galilee. Lots of violent revolutionaries, in fact, dozens of them in the previous hundred years before Jesus. They didn't keep Torah. They lived with Gentiles, probably ate with them. And here's a guy from nowhere with no pedigree, with no training, gaining all the power. Jesus had what they used to have, and they wanted it back. Today, into our world that's convulsing with angry violence and seething with anxious hate, we declare the good news. Don't be afraid. God is pleased to give you everything that you think you've lost. Everything that you're angry about that you think you've lost, he's pleased to give it to you. Wake up. The kingdom, the gift of the kingdom is to be waited on by our Lord. Two, the crowd is anxious. If the religious leaders are angry, the crowd is anxious. Jesus had thousands upon thousands crushing themselves, hanging on every word. He's got their attention and what does he do? He begins talking to his disciples. So, so think about this, friends. Uh, Jesus, there's, there's nobody who mistrusts crowds and the accolades they give more than Jesus. And what you see here is Jesus teaching his disciples, 12 to 70, something in that number, right? About as many people as we have here today, sitting, and then around them, sort of as like a, this is like, um, like in the round, people standing and crushing in to try to hear what Jesus is teaching others. This is the scene happening in chapters 11 and 12. In 11 and 12, the crowd breaks in and shouts a question at Jesus. So Jesus isn't talking to them. He's talking to his disciples, but the crowds keep throwing themselves in, right? And in this chapter, chapter uh, verse 13, this guy says, hey, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. And, and Jesus rebukes him and then teaches about greed and teaches about anxiety. And then we get to our text here. So in this text, you've got an anxious crowd that keeps, if the, if the religious leaders are angry that they've lost what they used to have, the crowd is anxious that they've never had it to begin with. And they want Jesus to give it to them. They're looking for scraps, anything from Jesus. So into this angry, anxious mob, Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock. Your father delights in giving you the kingdom. So you can do things like sell and give. You can invest in treasure that can't be taxed or depreciate or lose interest. 
your desire, the seat of your wants, doesn't have to be in gaining or reclaiming, but it can be in being awake, ready to accept the kingdom. And when Jesus shows up in our text, he's serving us, giving us honor and glory and value and worth. Did you see that? The master is going to come back and he's going to dress himself to serve. Everything we're tempted to be angry about, that we've lost or anxious because we've never had it, Jesus will simply give it to those who are awake, who are ready. So stay awake. Be woke. Jesus is saying that. Wake up. Don't get sucked in, Jesus is saying, to the angry, anxious mob that preys upon violence and hate. That's not the kingdom. Wake up, don't be afraid. God comes to give you all things as a gift. So, why is this good news today? Where do you need this good news? Where do we see people who used to have power losing their minds because they're losing it and they want it back? Where do we see anxiety about getting what we've never had and living in a perpetual state of wanting more? Friends, I've said this before, but um, I think this is the, uh, the energy our country runs on. It's the fuel we burn. Entertainment, national politicians, the news agencies, advertisers, they prey on fear. Stoke hatred, divisiveness, enable and embolden violence. In fact, the only thing that brings the right and the left together politically is using the suicide of a sexual predator sex trafficker to accuse the other side of, of killing him. That's the world we live in. We see the same thing happening in Jesus' day, where uh, Jesus is the conspiracy to kill him, is, is hatched by this, these religious leaders that are so angry, and then uh, Pilate and Herod kind of see Jesus, and then and Luke has this phrase, from this day onward, Pilate and Herod became friends. Because the solidarity around violence and scapegoating is so strong it can create pseudo-demonic unity. We live in the same cultural nexus as Jesus, is what I'm saying. The scriptures speak to what we're dealing with today. The haves, those of us who have power, those of us who live in places that Money Magazine makes other people envious of, even if we can't believe it. We're afraid of losing this power our place. We will be tempted to vilify and scapegoat those from other places, those people from Galilee who we perceive as a threat. This is not the kingdom of God. This is the same logic that the religious leaders used to murder Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need to repent of being caught up in this anger and fear of losing power. In this cultural moment, as America gets increasingly racially, ethnically, religiously diverse, the rhetoric of fear and anger by those who've always had power, people who look like me, is at a fever pitch. Do not be afraid. 
Don't get sucked in. God is pleased to give you everything you think you're losing. If you think this is a political, this is kingdom of God stuff here, friends. This is the kingdom. Repent today. Turn from your anger and fear. Wake up. Don't get sucked in. God is pleased to give you everything you think you've lost. Maybe you're here today and you're anxious about keeping what you have or getting what you don't have or maybe adding more. Frankly, this is how the politics and advertisers and entertainment industry works as well. Here are three people to blame for all your problems. Here's the one group to vilify. Here's the seven silent killers living in your house. Four signs that your child may die in their sleep. Maybe you're one of the thousands upon thousands, even here today, not, not crushing each other, but just wanting to get justice or enhance your profile or get some tips on living your best life now. Maybe you're tempted to live in a perpetual state of outrage and fear. I can't believe it. Friends, there's good news for you in this too. Won't you repent? Jesus isn't going to be used for our self-enhancement projects. He's not our American dream machine. Don't be afraid. God is pleased to give you everything you're afraid you'll never get. Wake up. Christ is among us to serve and bless. It's all a gift. Let's take a moment, friends, and uh, be silent. Where are you anxious and afraid today? Where are you angry? I've kind of painted the picture on a large scale, culturally. I can't, uh, I honestly can't go anywhere without seeing this play out. So where is this showing up in your life? How, how do you need to wake up today? Scott's going to come and lead us in a time of prayer response.